in the footsteps of Jesus from down under. This is Nick Kurita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you today again and welcome to our program. Today I have a special guest with me and you'll be very happy to hear his story. It's a man which I came across and I heard about some of his work and involvement in ministry and I thought I must have Etienne with me one day to hear his story and also hear from him some of his involvement in ministry. And Etienne, welcome to our program. Thank you very much, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. I don't know much about you. As I said, I just, uh, the second time, I think, I uh, I met you just uh, this weekend. That's right. Because you are in Adelaide uh, with a purpose. And we'll come to that a little bit uh, later. Okay. But first of all, I would like you to share with us a bit of your background, if you can. Sure. Well, I was born in South Africa, in Cape Town, beautiful part of the world. Uh, on my dad's side, we were Scottish descendants. On my mum's side, they, we were Dutch descendants with a little bit of French influence. That's where the name Etienne comes from, because mm-hmm. it's the equivalent to English Stephen. Right. So if you go to France, you go to St. Etienne. You go to England, you go to St. Stephen's. It's the same saint. And, you know, the name comes from that, uh, that saint uh, who was one of the deacons in the book of Acts. And, of course, he was the first martyr in the book of Acts, um, Stephen, that was stoned and killed for his faith. Sure. Mm, so that's my name. And then McClintock, obviously, very Scottish. And so I was raised up in South Africa in a Christian environment. On my mum's side, they were Sabbath keepers. She was a fourth-generation Sabbath keeper. I say Sabbath keeper because her great-great-grandfather actually was a Christian who used to uh, worship on Sunday and read his Bible through. He was a good Bible student. And finally said to his wife one day, Look, I have read through the Bible, and I can't see a change of the seventh-day Sabbath to the first day of the week to worship. I know people refer to it as Resurrection Day, but I don't see any commandment to change it or to even enforce you know, worship on that day from, from a biblical perspective. So they actually started keeping the Sabbath by themselves as a uh, just a family. And it's later on they discovered Seventh-day Adventist, and then they actually joined the Seventh-day Adventist church. All oh, right. Yeah, but on my dad's side, um, his parents would send him off to school, Sunday school, but they didn't really go to church much. And uh, my grandmother was actually involved in the occult. She could uh, tell fortunes and all that. And uh, even through into the family, uh, my dad's sister actually had a familiar spirit as well. I think that was a generational thing, possibly. And um, so she had some incredible experiences um, in the occult world and then later became a Christian, but uh, had a hard time leaving that. Even had attacks, physical attacks, mm-hmm. and only through prayer and that was she able to be delivered from all those uh, from all those things. Yes. So that was my dad's side and my mum's side. My my dad was raised actually um, loved reading, and you know if he finds a bit of newspaper or he finds anything uh, an article, he would sit down and read it. And they only had two books in their house. One book was a Bible that my grandmother owned. He doesn't know how much she read it, but he would read that because there was nothing else to read although he was a secular kind of a person. And there was also a book that the Jehovah's Witnesses left. You know, they must have come around and visited and knocked on the door. There were two books, so he read those. But as he got older, he actually was just an atheist, didn't believe in God, Mm. uh, got into a lot of science fiction things and uh, read those kinds of books and novels and so on. And it's not until he met my mum that he, um, my grandfather heard that she'd met this person she fell in love with. And he goes, well, you're not marrying someone that's not a believer. So he said to my dad, if you want to marry my daughter, we've got to do Bible studies. <laughs> <laughs> so they did Bible studies. And the funny thing was, my dad um, said, as they're doing the Bible studies, his childhood memories comes back from reading his mother's Bible. Right. And he goes, well, yeah, I read that. I read that. That makes sense. Yeah, that's in the Bible. So he got baptized and then he got married. 
sounds like give me that you know old how time is religion. old time religion you yes know? that's right <laughs> that's how people used to approach things mm. you know in the back in those days that's right so mm. what happens i was born in 1969 and i believe that's the first year of the heart transplant i was born in cape town and it just sh- a few kilometers away from there, there was a Dr. Christian Barnett, Professor Christian Barnett, who did the first heart transplant on Louis Wachanski, I think mm-hmm. it was. He only lived about 11 days, I think, from memory. He got an infection and so on and died. But that was the first heart transplant. And it was connected back 1967, the year that I was born, there was the first heart transplant. But in the Bible, we read that God says he will take the stony heart out of our flesh and give us a heart of flesh, you know, that he wants to transform and change our heart. So I always connect the 1967 with the first heart transplant but it likens it to the gospel and what Christ wants to do for us. He wants to make us different people. Mm. And I've always found encouragement by that because there were some aspects of my life that have gone through and the Lord has revealed to me. There's aspects of my life that I don't really like. I used to like it mm-hmm. until the Holy Spirit shone upon it and go, oh, that's not very nice. And God has been able to take those things away. I can confess my sins. He's able and just to forgive me. And praise the Lord, he's able to cleanse as well from all unrighteousness. Now, I also have a, another sibling. I have a sister. She was born in 1969. And uh, that's, of course, the year that they supposedly land on the moon. Some people don't believe it, but they landed on the moon 1969. And um, we look forward to space travel. We believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ, that he will come and take us from Earth. And he will take us to heaven where we'll be able to spend a thousand years with him. So 1969 also has special significance. And it's my sister's birthday, but also reminds us that we're not going to be on this earth forever we're going to have travel with the lord and we'll be in heaven with him for a thousand years and then when we come back he'll create a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells that's very interesting connections you know mm. <laughs> right and then you moved from uh, cape town to australia or to new no, zealand to new zealand first yes mm-hmm. i was 17 years old and my dad had studied theology at that time a matter of fact he was actually the one that baptized me at the age of 15 and we've had discussions subsequent to my bat- baptism as well uh, I always wondered, why do I have to be baptized? I mean, I was born into the church, so I thought, you know, uh, my dad and mum were both Seventh-day Adventists at that time. Why do I, I understand if people don't know the truth or they come from heathenism or atheism, to come to the church and to know the Lord, sure, they have to be baptized, but why do I have to be baptized? I'm already in the church, mm-hmm. you know. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's a rite of passage. But I'd done some Bible studies as well, and some of my friends were getting baptized. So I got baptized, but I didn't understand the significance of baptism. And I mean by baptism, you know, the Greek word baptizo means but to emerge or to plunge. So to go into the, into the water, when you hold your breath, it's like there's a cessation of life and a cessation of breathing. So it's like a burial. And then when you come out of the water, you, it's a new life that starts. But we are baptized into Christ, into his death. And then when we come from the water, we are, in the likeness of his resurrection, we're raised to new life. And I, it's not until later I actually understood those concepts. Mm. I actually got rebaptized after I understood that because I was buried alive. Right. I went into the water alive. I came out alive, but there was no new life. Mm-hmm. I was sincere. I didn't understand it. But anyway, so later in life, we, we came over to New Zealand and um, we, we worked here for a while. My dad, after three years, he went back to South Africa. And uh, I uh, stayed on in Christchurch at the time and uh, became part of a youth group there. And we had a little bit of revival in our youth group, you know, just through prayer and through singing hymns to the Lord. And the Lord started making some uh, changes in people's lives. And uh, I was one of those people he changed. And uh, I'm pleased that that happened because what happens is shortly after that, uh, the devil saw what was happening in my life and that I was making improvements and I was making a commitment to the Lord and spending more time in prayer and also more time in study in his word. So God speaking to me through his word. 
And then he railroaded me with some friends that I had and some circumstances where they started challenging my faith a little bit. And also I, I had still had some secular influences in my life. Mm-hmm. And I felt that these secular influences were very powerful. You know, I loved movies, I loved television and all that. And, of course, the messages you get through those media mm-hmm. are contrary to the gospel. I mean, if you go and sit and watch any average uh, television program and you just compare that to the love of God. Now, what I mean by the love of God, Paul says that love is the fulfilling of the law. You look at the law of God, take the Ten Commandments, the moral law, and you took how many times they speak about other gods or deny the existence of God, how many times they blaspheme, how many times you can see idols, how many times there's no mention of God whatsoever. It's just like God doesn't exist. The, the person who created them is just totally ignored. Then you go to the other commandments, disobedience to parents, you know, disrespect to parents, you know, murder, lies, adultery, uh, covetousness, revenge, anger, hatred, all those things. Every program you watch actually undermines the constitution of heaven, which is the moral law of Ten Commandments. So I was really influenced by this, and then I actually started becoming a little bit atheistic and a little Mm. bit secular in my thinking. I started wondering, is there really a God? I couldn't experience God in my life, but it's because I was putting the input was actually more evil than good, hmm. you know. And what happens is whatever the, a man thinketh in his heart, so easy. And I was putting all these things into my mind, and it distracted me. And uh, I'm thinking there at a time, and I was a little bit flat and depressed. Uh, I, my, my family had moved back to Africa. I'd spent some time with them, and then I came back as a, as a person by myself with no income for a while. And I was, you know, and then I started, I got a little job, very basic job, and started working, and I was struggling. It was just difficult, you know. There was a week where I had no food. Yeah. I um, I had a place to live, but I had to use my money for rent, and there was just no food. But somehow the Lord provided. You know, even while I was in that mindset of doubting Him, I had a meal at least once a day. Some someone would take me out for a meal or go, "Listen, I've just got some food. Just grab that and just give me a little." Yeah. Uh, so I would go to work without any food, and um, they had a tin of Milo. I remember at this work and it was physical work I was doing. I was fitting tires and all that, and balancing wheels, and you know, doing working for a tire company. Hmm. And uh, in that process. I would just have no energy. I'd run to work in the morning because it was about uh, three, four kilometers away and uh, burn up a lot of energy getting there in time for work. And then I would just fill up a cup full of Milo, put a little bit of hot water in there and a little bit of milk. And that would be my sustenance for energy for morning tea, for lunchtime and for afternoon tea, Wow! you know, just to keep me going. But anyway, um, after a week, I started getting a little bit of money and I was able to buy a little bit of food and so on. But at that time, it was just tough and I just felt lonely and alone and uh, that the, the Lord wasn't there, I, I couldn't explain the existence of man quite I thought, but I don't know about e- e- evolution, but anyway. Mm. But what happens is the, the conference there in South New Zealand decided that uh, the membership was coming down a little bit low, and they thought that there was a great opportunity to share the gospel with people and evangelize. Mm-hmm. And they, a, a, a evangelist by the name of Pastor Jeff Yulden went to Christchurch and ran a meeting there. Now, I was still going to church because that's where my French friends were, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I was going there for social reasons and for support more than sure. anything else. And anyway, so they asked me to be involved, and I was involved just helping out, you know, usher and that sort of thing. And I'm listening to Pastor Jeff Yulden unpack the, the, the prophecies out of the Bible. And as I'm listening to these prophecies, I'm going, whoa, there's no way that any person, any human being can know the end, the outcome from the very beginning. And I'm listening to these prophecies. The Bible says this, and then when you look at it, it happened. And the Mm -hmm. Bible said this is going to happen, and it happened. And he's unpacking all these prophecies, not only in Daniel, but in other places as well. I become convinced just looking at the prophecies that there is a God that knows the end from the beginning. This is supernatural. Mm -hmm. This is not just any human being just putting their construct onto a book and writing a good book. 
It's a supernatural. So I con- I'm convinced through prophecy that there's a God. And, you know, there's even a wager in Isaiah 41 where God says compared to the other other gods that people want to worship and the other religions. If you are gods, why don't you tell us what was in the past? If you are gods, why don't you tell us what was in the future? What will happen in the future? So that wager is out there. I was able to then test that Christianity, the Christianity of the Bible, is the only true religion. The other religions cannot be tested by prophecy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take Nostradamus, and depending on how you interpret him, you've got to take some wild interpretations. You might get 50% accuracy. You know, Some people reckon it's a little bit higher. But God says in his Bible, if I send a prophet and I say something comes to pass and it doesn't, you know it's a prophet I didn't send. So it's 100% accuracy in the in the prediction of mm. prophecy. So my life changed from there. So I had another a little revival there. And then later I married my dear wife, Michelle. We got married in 1992. And then after that as well, I read a book which scared me to death. It was a book about people who had been um, living uh, a, a terrible life, but they were actually in a satanic church. And mm-hmm. how these people were, came out of Satanism and that. But I, always, I realized there were strong supernatural forces and what would protect me. I didn't realize that God covers everybody. But based on our choice, we may give permission to the evil one to take control of our life. But we can also at the same time exercise our will and choose to serve God and follow God and His way of doing it. Interesting. I'll just, uh, if I could interrupt you just for a sec there. You use the word uh, fear, mm. you know, or scared. Yes. Uh, is that a good thing sometimes? Because people thinking that, oh, you know, fear God, for example. There is a text yes. in the Bible to fear God. And said, how then can we describe God as a loving God if we need to, you know, have that? Mm. fear about him but is that a good thing for uh, us to get on track to say so sure look the, the way we look at the word fear nowadays is probably different to even the way they translated in the king james i think it's got a broader meaning to that for example when the bible talks about noah noah was warned by god that there would be a flood noah says moved with godly fear for the preparation of the ark for the saving of himself and his household what that fear actually means is reverence and respect and trusting God that whatever he said will come to pass will happen. So that is to not, um, you know, it says honor your father and your mother. Yeah. That is a way of honoring God. That's what that fear means. And, and, and Noah was honored by God, but Noah honored God as well. It says he was a preacher of righteousness. That is the kind of godly fear that we are supposed to have, to fear God and give him glory. Sure. Now, fear that is like just being scared, I don't think really honors God. It yeah. misrepresents God, so yeah. we've got to make sure we have a godly Th- fear. That's why I ask, you know, yeah. because we need to to clarify that. But we need to have that sort of attitude in, you know, in reverence, in uh, understanding what God wants uh, to tell us. But sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt you a little bit there. Coming back to the book, you're reading that uh, Yes, I'm reading book? that book, and then I thought, well, I need to make a deeper commitment to the Lord, because what happens is there was occultic influences, obviously, in my background from my grandmother. And um, also at that time, as, I, as, I, as I'm reading this book, we were once at a... Uh, at a camp meeting and one of the young people who at the time was thinking of leaving the church actually uh, got possessed and they needed to actually you know through uh, sessions of prayer and that actually uh, you know get rid of the, the, the devils and i thought what well, i thought she was a good person but she'd got married to a guy who'd been involved in the occult and he was a fairly new christian at that time as well and there were many circumstances around which i didn't understand mm. at the time and i was thinking well I looked to her for, as being a good person. I actually thought perhaps she was a better person than me. What would stop that from happening to me? So I was motivated by fear to start off with. Mm-hmm. The wrong kind of fear, though, mm-hmm. right? But if you stay on that fear, it doesn't last long because finally you just go, I just give up. You know, What happens is, luckily, because I got into the Word of God, I was able to understand and see the love of God. And the love of God is demonstrated more broadly 
than we can even imagine by looking at Jesus, especially the cross. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrated his love. So what the world needs is more than just the preaching of love. It needs a demonstration to go with it. And God actually showed his love. God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the cross is a revelation of God's love for people who are undeserving of his mercy and his grace. That's interesting what you just said now about while we were in our sins, you mm. know, and God revealed himself to us. That's probably when that thing, you know, in the Bible also says that fear and tremble, you know, because yes. when you are under the influence of sin, mm. of course, the enemy doesn't want us to know anything about God. No. But probably through that, God is allowing that sort of thing to get us a little bit on the, to wake up, if you like, you know, and yep. starts to to think and make some decision. <laughs> That's right. You know, sometimes, you know, the, the Lord will use even those those things which are egocentric, you know, it may be because I'm scared now I'm going to come to the Lord or I think, oh, I'm going to have a better life. Now, even the prosperity gospel sometimes brings people there. But if they stay in the prosperity gospel side, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's got a good thing. I know. But if they come and they come to hear about the cross of Christ and they see the demonstration of God's love for us, that transforms and changes life. And by the grace of God, I was able to see that and able to have God, you know, uh, see his love for me. And, and I fell in love with him. Beautiful. So then I was motivated by love more than fear. Beautiful. Mm. Um, but, you know, even after that, and this is what I'm saying, there's a, there's a text. It is in Proverbs chapter, I think it's 26 verse 14. It says that the righteous man falls seven times, but he rises up. He gets up seven times again. And I've fallen a number of times, but mm-hmm. I'm just grateful of God's grace and mercy. He gives me another opportunity, you know, to, to walk with him again. And it says, if we sin. You know, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to yeah. cleanse us from all our righteousness. So I'm grateful for God's grace. There's nothing good that is in me by nature. There's nothing good that I've done that I can actually merit God's favor and God's mm. love. But I know one thing. He's able to transform and change lives. The the uh, this enslavement of sin, the things I used to struggle with, the things that I could not give up, that I was enslaved to, you know, powerless, mm. God has liberated me from. This is the liberty we can dis- receive through Jesus Christ. He's able to give us victory over sin, and I praise God for that. It's not me. And even speaking to you this morning, I had to spend time in prayer mm. because all I have is my natural corruption to give. When I come and talk and it's not the Spirit of God working and speaking through me, all I can pass on to you is my corruption. Correct. And typically people probably have enough of their own corruptions mm-hmm. to deal with it. They want have mine as well so by prayer we can receive from the lord and if we receive of his spirit his spirit is able to use us and we can give words of life words of hope Mm. words of comfort and encouragement yeah Mm. that was really good Uh, you you just touch on uh, on that thing which i was going to ask next that you have now a desire on your heart after you see the hand of god in your life and Mm. how god guided you and directed you you want now to make an impact in somebody else's life Amen. Yes. Through your experience and to to share, you know, where you've been through. And probably is the right time now just to share with us a little bit where God brought you. Mm. What okay. are you doing right now? And okay. uh, if you could share with us a bit. Well, because the life that God has given me now is so much better than I had before. And I've seen many other people, you know, going through similar things that I've gone through. And why would they not want to experience what I have now with the Lord? That I can be connected with the King of the universe, the sovereign, the one that created all heaven and earth. I mean, what a privilege. He, he is greater than any of the most prominent, the most highly esteemed people on this planet, whether they be political leaders, whether they be movie stars or rock stars. You know how young people, they idolize people. 
my idol is actually not an idol. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the God of the universe, and that's the person I connected with. So I want to share with other people. But I do a number of things. I also work for a radio station part-time now. It's uh, 3ABN Australia Radio. Mm-hmm. And, of course, on Faith FM, you do broadcast our 3ABN USA feed. I do a couple of days there. Mm-hmm. I, I do some studies. I'm getting involved in evangelism. So there's a, a, a big project over to Ethiopia very shortly. And then three... Well, two evangelists and myself, three of us are going over to Kenya to do an evangelistic program there in Kenya. And typically, when you're a foreigner in those countries, it attracts more numbers. Mm-hmm. People will come who will not come and listen to a local presenter necessarily. But the church there has raised $14,000, and that's a lot of money for Africa for us to come and do a project there, and they're all gearing up for this at the promise. I'm really excited about that. The other thing I also do is I, uh, I volunteer as an ambassador for Voice of the Martyrs. Now, Voice of the Martyrs is an organization that was established by a gentleman called Richard Wormbrandt. He was raised a Jew. Uh, he was actually persecuted under the Nazi occupation of Romania. But then he was left out of prison when the communists rolled in in 19, uh, I think it was 44. But then he was persecuted under them as well. And he spent 14 years in jail. And after he was finally released and he got to the West, he was able to tell his story. People didn't know how badly they were treated under communism and how they were tortured for their faith. And he barely survived. Many people died in prison. He had a high regard for Seventh-day Adventists because he said the ones that ended up in prison were the ones who never compromised. And he equaled, he likened them to the saints of the early church in the first century. Mm. That's how faithful they were. They would even tithe their food and give their food, and there was not enough food to go around, to other people who were starving or older than them or in a worse state than them. And so he had a high regard for them. But anyway, so I do some work, and I, I, uh, I take the message of the persecuted around the world to many churches, Seventh-day Adventist churches, Baptist churches, speak to many different groups, and tell them about that, and see if people want to connect with an organization that actually feeds the hungry, gives water to the thirsty, clothes the naked. You know, in, in Australia, we're very blessed. We don't really have a lot of that. There's some, but there's not a lot of that. But in other worlds, other countries where people are persecuted and they're thrown in prison for that, I can connect now with a ministry that actually provides for these people. So if I'm not there in person, I can support them through uh, you know, money mm-hmm. and they can do the work because they have more projects than they have money. So I share that with people and if the Lord impresses their heart to give, um, they're willing to donate. For example, I shared actually with a church in Melbourne. It's the uh, the Basin Church. It's a Romanian church. And yes. they, of course, connected with Richard Wurmbrand. A lot of them knew the story. But they, they um, brought $5,000 plus together and they were able to fund Bibles into China and they were able to find, fund a number of projects because there's such a shortage of Bibles in, in, in restricted countries mm. like China. Mm. Since February 2018, you have not been able to buy a Bible online in China for those the Chinese people who want a Bible or even in any bookstores. Mm-hmm. There's been a severe crackdown, and they're saying it's very similar to the cultural ref- revolution that happened under Chairman Mao. Now, you mentioned uh, this ministry, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, mm. and as you just uh, mentioned myself, I'm quite familiar with uh, Richard Wumbrand mm. because um, I grew up in Romania, in yes. a communist country, and I give my life to God during that time. Wow. Uh, and I know exactly what that means, even though uh, back then when I was a little bit better, but uh, obviously, yeah, straight after the war, uh, there was very big persecution there. Yes. And I know that uh, Richard uh, uh, Wumbrand uh, wrote a book, uh, Torture for Christ. That's right. You know, There's even a movie out now by the same name on his life. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about here in Western society, was that persecuted for Christ, mm. even more to be tortured, you know? But there are so many people in this world right now being persecuted and tortured. And that's what I want to hear from you just in a okay. few, few minutes uh, Look, which you, we have left. If you go with, with some of the uh, 
ministries that actually deal with persecution around the world. I think Voice of the Martyrs use the more conservative numbers, but I've seen some other numbers where they're saying the persecution is on the rise, significantly on the rise around the world, because there just seems to be a clampdown. It says, like, the forces of darkness want to shut out all the light of the gospel of Christ. And there's, uh, typically they were saying there were around 200 million people who are actively persecuted for their faith around the world on an annual basis. Uh, the last numbers I saw was 215 million, but the most recent ones I found just on a website is up to 245. So there's an increase of 30 million people. And around the world on an annual basis, tens of thousands are actually martyred for their faith. They're given their life for Christ. In all these restricted countries, you have communism coming down on it. You have Hinduism coming down on Christianity. You have um, extremist Muslim, uh, uh, you know, Islam coming down on Christianity. And especially where you have Islam, where there's Sharia law in those countries, you know, where it's a combination of religion and state, where religious laws are enforced by state, that's a, a big, big problem. And uh, we've even... I've interviewed many people from Iran, I've interviewed mm-hmm. people from Nigeria, people have suffered under Boko Haram, and even what's happening in Malaysia, in uh, in China, and, and many other countries around the world. I have a program called Tortured for, uh, not Tortured for Christ, a program called uh, Souls Under the Altar. It comes from Revelation chapter uh, 6, where it talks about those who were persecuted and martyred for their faith. And mm-hmm. they say, how long, O Lord, till you avenge your blood? And they say, not until the number of your brethren who will be persecuted completed. and killed as you are is completed. Mm-hmm. So we know that there's some tough times lying ahead and also here in australia now we're in a lucky country but we also see some clouds forming on the horizon where there's an intolerance to christianity and i was just at the the gateway baptist church yesterday sharing with them and making them aware that you know um, prime minister scott morrison has written the letter to the christian leaders just saying that there's a, a new law there and if this law gets passed the, the, the there will be censorship on what can be taught by religious groups not only that there will probably be um, also um people will be taken to court because of their faith. So the, the exercise that we have in Article 116 in our Constitution that guarantees religious freedom and that they cannot make laws that will actually prohibit the free exercise thereof will then actually be restricted. And we even see that in the U.S. in their Constitution, you know, the First Amendment there that guarantees religious liberty. People have actually been taken to, to task. They have lost their businesses because they wouldn't um, make cakes for same-sex couples mm-hmm. who wanted to get married. And that's been a real challenge. You know, $135,000 fines, lose their business, no longer to operate because they run a public business. And we see the same potentially even happening here in Australia. So we need to pray. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the census for 2016 says that there are 52.9% of people that claim to be Christians. But only a fraction of those go to church on a regular basis. But five years earlier, 2011, there were 60% of the population that claimed. So you've lost 7% of your population associating themselves as Christian or claiming to be Christians in five years. Now, where are we going to be in 2021? That's only one, one two years away, mm-hmm. right? Um, if that keeps on running out, what happens is there's less light shining in Australia and there's more darkness. Now, what's Jesus' command to us? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're not glorifying God because we're not letting our light shine. We are covert Christians. We are closet Christians. We need to be overtly Christian. Mm. We need to let the love of God shine through our lives, and we need to light up the world. And that was my message to Gateway Baptist yesterday as well. They've just got a wonderful group of people there, and Pastor Jeremy Jacques, 
and his wife and the leadership team invited me to come. I might even come back next year, they reckon. So I was able to share a couple of times there for them. But they are on fire for the Lord. They love the Lord. They believe in in, in conversion. They believe in the cross to deny self, to take up the cross and follow Jesus. And they believe also being grounded in the Word. Hmm. If you're not grounded in the Word of God, then you are without foundation. The reason of us being here and for this time, you know, it's just for that uh, purpose to to share the gospel, to get back to the Bible. Mm. Uh, Because, you know, through the ages, uh, um, so easily we lost track, you know. Uh, lots of man-made tradition and... Uh, we need to get rid of y- that know? rubbish, you know, and we're still learning. We don't know absolutely everything. God wants to set us free through from the dark ages and the apostasy, the falling away that happened in the church. And, you know, Paul actually in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 said that there will be a falling away before Christ would come and then the man of sin, the son of perdition would be revealed. Yeah. We are still recovering from that falling away. And... Myself, uh, I'm just getting involved with a group of uh, men uh, every Monday night, you know, to study the Bible, mm. coming from all backgrounds, you know, all different religions. And the good thing is that, as you just pointed out, uh, visiting uh, the Baptist church the, the other day, you know, there are people in many other denominations and churches which would like to change their lives. And sooner or later, we have to to come and... Uh, Focus on the teachings of the Bible mm, rather amen. than, as you, you mentioned, many things. And time Tr- is going so quick. Yeah, yeah. Time is going so quick today for us, and we haven't got much time left. But okay. in the last uh, couple of minutes, which we have uh, left, I would like you, Etienne, just to share with our listeners what's your urgency. Um, you know, the message of urgency okay. for this time. Look, well, the, the message of urgency is that. If we are Christians, let's be Christians. Let's not be closet Christians. Let's be overt about that. You know, if you sort of become friends with people and they don't know you're a Christian, then you're going to invite it to do things that they would do because they're not Christian that you wouldn't do. And you might be challenged to compromise with that. And I was talking to uh, uh, Reverend Jeremy, I think is his official title, uh, yesterday, and he's saying, you know, when he was uh, in the swans, because he's a, he's a, you know, a guy with a good physique, he's, he's quite, a, um, quite an athlete, and uh, he said his brother encouraged him, as soon as you go to the swans, just let them know you're a Christian, you're going to church. And he said what happens is, he said, you didn't have to be silly, you didn't have to be a goose, I think was his words. Um, he said, but what happened, people actually respected that, and some of the people in the swans actually ended up coming to church with him. He said, and what happens, he never had to compromise, because from the up front, he, they knew that he was a Christian. So when I'm dealing with people now, I want them to let them know that I'm a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. and that I, um, that I love the Lord, and I've given my life to the Lord. But the thing that we need to do is we need to spend some time with the Lord, thoughtful hour, Thoughtful hour each day contemplating the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes. And as we thus contemplate his life, you know, our confidence in God will be quickened. I mean, it will be more certain. Our love for God will grow and we will be more imbued with the spirit of Christ. And there's a text that I shared with um, with Gateway Baptist uh, yesterday, and I like to share it with, with everybody. Jesus makes this prediction. He makes a story. It's actually a prophecy, but it's in John chapter 10 where he says he's the good shepherd. John chapter 10 verse 15. He says, and other sheep which I have, which are not of this fold, and them I must also bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen, amen. Look, uh, time is against us, and I could not even stop. Usually we have a song somewhere in, okay. the, in the middle, not for today, but it was a pleasure to have you with us, uh, Etienne. It was a privilege to be here, thank and, you. And uh, we're looking forward for another opportunity. When sure. you come in Adelaide, definitely we'll have you back uh, okay. with us. But even before that, we may be able to, over the phone, maybe 
to keep on track, you know, with what you're doing, you sure. know, uh, where you are with the voice of the martyrs, for example. That's a great ministry. Mm. And uh, I pray to God that uh, he will bless you, be with you, and uh, lead you to be able to touch uh, many hearts out there in this world. And thank you very much for coming with us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And God bless to the, to the listeners. May you also make your light shine and may you allow the Lord to work in and through you to represent him to the people around us. Praise the Lord. And please uh, thank Michelle for allowing you to come with us in this short period of time. I know you have a... Uh, you, you we have, have a to day off today, so we're, we're going to go and visit Handorf now. So. All right. Now, uh, on the way, then uh, God bless you and you. Uh, we'll hear from you another time. To our listeners, I would just like to say this. Don't forget, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.